Welcome to EQ Minds Recharge Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm Chelsea Pollinger, the host of this show, and today we welcome on Alex Cubis, who is an actor, producer, and lawyer based between Sydney and LA. I first saw Alex on the 2020 Mentality Project and thought what an incredible mental health ambassador, especially representation for men. And he is now in Channel 7's Between Two Worlds, which is an epic TV show. So it's such a pleasure to have Alex. I know how busy his schedule is, so it's a real pleasure to have him on the show today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Chili Technology. And without further waiting, let's welcome Alex to the show. So I'm so thrilled to have Alex on the show. Welcome, Alex. Hey, how are you going? So the reason why I was really interested in getting you on our podcast was because when I saw someone as successful as you in the 2020 Mentality Project, being so honest and authentic about struggling at times with inner demons, I was, to be honest, really impressed. As sharing stories gives so many other people hope to get through their own battles. Can you share with our audience maybe when you've struggled with your own inner critic and how you actually got through that process? Yeah, well, a couple of times. I mean, being an actor, you know, it's constant rejection or constant self-criticism and criticism from other people. And I'm a bit of a perfectionist too. So the, the combination hasn't always been a winning formula, I think, for my happiness. But I think it's a couple of things. One, it's it's persistence. I've had the fortune of, of being blessed with an encouraging group of friends and family. Not that they supported me explicitly, but you know, I know and even conversations I've held on to for a long time when maybe they weren't encouraging of acting. And I remember those more than the positive ones. But I think taking gratitude or or you know having gratitude for the things that I, I had or have at any one point as opposed to the things that I don't have and reminding myself of that. But early on I I can't remember what the process was and I know that it's hard for some people, but being really selective about who I spent my time with because sometimes I was drawn to people that, you know, weren't really encouraging of me. Or when I went through a transition in university, when I sort of realized that I wanted to seriously pursue acting, a lot of people were confused by it. And, you know, my inner critic was dialed up being like, what are you doing? I'm trying to be an actor. And even then, you know, professional actors in Sydney or people who had gone to NIDA wouldn't take me seriously. But then there were a couple of people, you know, who would or who would be encouraging. So uh, number one, I think for me, is just choosing who you spend time with people and asking yourself, you know, do these people, when I leave, a, you know, a hangout session with them or get off the phone with them, you know, am I, am I made to feel good about myself or did I have an enjoyable conversation? Because I think sometimes people stay in friendships and relationships longer than they serve, if not one person, then both people. I can't remember where that awareness came from other than there was one instance at university where I sort of realized I had to put my foot down, you know, because time is precious and you don't have to stick to, you know, the groups of people that you've grown up with or that maybe even six months ago, maybe you found like a sense of community or you identified with them or with a small group. And then maybe six months later, they don't necessarily serve you. So it's a balance of are you preferencing your ego in you know, choosing to leave or are you really serving yourself when choosing to leave that you know, relationship? I mean, it's a tricky balance, but I guess just through consistent self-reflection and you know, checking in with other people, but then not obsessively you know, thinking about what's wrong, just asking yourself, well, what is working and go from there. 
so that was a really general answer, but sort of you know covered a lot. I just want to you know compliment what you just said because in the research for about 30 years now, there's this guy called Dr. Nicholas Christakis and what he shows in his research that's been clinically proven is that the way that we turn up right every day, our energy, how we're communicating to other people, our clients, our co-workers, our friends, our family has a direct impact on that other person by a huge 40%. So it calls them these like emotional agents. It's almost like you're having a psychological sneeze, you know, onto somebody else's brain. And what I love about that is it gets us really accountable and we take ownership over a how are we turning up every day and then how we turn other people as well. And that's why I like your whole, you know, philosophy around being exceptionally selective and choose really wisely those people you spend time with. And do they make you feel good? Yeah. And, and as well, like, do you have the capacity to make them feel good? Like if someone brings out a trait in you that isn't very attractive or appealing and you find yourself more argumentative when you're around them or you harp on about negative things um, or you guys both get into a conversation, you know, that might feel good because you're venting, but in reality, you're both just complaining. You don't have the, you're not bringing anything to them either. So yeah, that's definitely important. And I think, you know, to sort of attack on to my previous answer, like there's actual practical things like the inner critic with acting, I think like exercise, you know, was, has, has always been a, or at least since my early twenties, like has been like a huge thing for me. I was never, never into sport at school. I only started going to the gym like tentatively when I left school because I finally figured out how I could make time for it. And then I got seriously into it, you know, because I thought that it would help me with initially like, you know, I did some modeling. So it was sort of encouraged for that to get more work. So there was like a financial incentive. And then when I started acting, same reason. And then I got a personal trainer when I was like, I think like 21, because I was like, I'm sick of not knowing what to do. And it was a big, that was a big step for me because it was, you know, expensive for a uni student, but I'd always wanted a PT to know what to do. And in three months, you know, I turned my body around, but through that process, realized how valuable and life-changing exercise is. And when you do it with intention, it's better to do half an hour with intention than it is to do like an hour and a half, you know, of mindless sort of stretching or whatever you do at the gym. And then as well, therapy, like I've always been like, no, I, I need to you know, be honest with myself and, and see a therapist. So I, I first saw a counselor in high school. And then again, I realized, you know, when I had a tricky period at uni and I, I wasn't happy with how things were going, you know, Australia is obviously amazing because you can get, I think, 10 free sessions a year through Medicare. And I sort of, you know, kept on top of that being like, I'm working, you know, this is good. This, I'm like, I'm working on myself. Like, it's just like, you know, going to the grocery store and buying good food, or I'm going to give myself a nap now. Like it's just, it's, it's, I sort of saw it as self-care, which again was a benefit of like, I'd had the experience of like therapy being normalized to me quite young. So I recently checked in with one at the beginning of the year and turned something around only after about five sessions or over five weeks, which is what the, the counselor said actually is pretty typical. I wasn't feeling like hugely depressed, but I, I knew that I wanted an antidote to my current circumstances at the time or the circumstances at the time. So it was just like a practical step. You know, if my regular thing of exercise isn't working, then I guess therapy too. That's amazing. And I love how you normalize this because it is so normal. You know, I still, even though yeah. I study psychology, 100% engage with a therapist. If something is going on in my life or I'm making a huge life decision, like with my company or 
with anything going on, I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm just going to re-engage back with a therapist again, just to make sure, you know, I'm keeping in check. And it's like another tool in the toolkit. You know, we get a PT, like I've got a PT as well that cross and trains me. I've got a surf coach. Like why not have a therapist in amongst that as a coach for us? They make sure we're then we're taking care of ourselves in that self-care piece. And so when you were growing up, you know, you said that around this whole therapy piece is quite normalized for you when you were growing up. And yeah. was that because you had, you know, you, you mentioned around you had a lot of women sisters or your mother was a good influence in your life around talking about things and not kind of bottling it all up? It's sort of the opposite to that, actually. Like, I think that by osmosis, having like more women in my day-to-day life, I think made me lean into analyzing myself, you know, emotion and analyzing my own feelings a little bit more than maybe had I had I not had that. But actually, for the specific you know, situational scenario, what which led me to seeing one was in year twelve. Was because you know I was, uh, I was gotten better over time, but I I was a perfectionist, and yeah, I wasn't happy with how I was going. You know, during year twelve because I had such an an obsessive goal with um you know with doing well in my HSC, which is pretty common, obviously, especially in Sydney and in Sydney schools, and it was my principal who you know shed some light on it and encouraged that that was you know the best solution at the time so I, I have a lot of you know I'm very grateful to him to this day you know for being a great and you know a great leader at the school and as well for you know the friends that I had at the time that were the way that he coordinated that experience and and involved you know my parents in a really sensible way because it's just like having a cold I do remember, you know, when I was at uni and sort of a similar thing happened, like halfway through, and my mom actually said that to me, you know, it's just like having a cold. So I think, and then that probably was like, you know, a bigger tipping point because you go through it when you're a teenager and then you go through, or at least in my experience, went through like a tricky period when I was a teenager or went through a tricky period when I was in my early 20s. And then I think the combination of those two experiences plus, I guess, just persistence and time, you know, has sort of allowed me to develop the tools to recognize it, you know, um, if I'm maybe heading down a, a path that, you know, I'm, I might be more vulnerable or whatever. I'm just like, no, I just want to check in now. That's so great. And you catch it early. Yeah. And so that self-awareness piece is brilliant. And, you know, I'm sure you've got maybe trigger points in your life. For me, it's if my sleep starts to go. So if yes. I start getting you too. Yeah, yeah. It's if I'm sleeping too long or, and my energy is draining at the beginning of the day. So that's what was happening at the beginning of the year. I think I was like overworked and overstressed, you know, or stressed as a result of being overworked or whatever. And the fact that it wasn't changing just through time was really frustrating to me. So I was like, oh, this isn't getting any better. I've got to fix it now. But it was just, I think, I can't remember what it was, but it was just like one day where I was just like, okay, let's just give myself a breather. We're at our best when we have our rest look into this and I you know I went to the doctor as well because I was like oh maybe it's a physiological like a physical thing maybe my iron levels are off so I just had a physical to you know check all my bloods were okay and thankfully they were so there wasn't anything I could do to like address it with a physical antidote you know I don't overly consume caffeine so it wasn't like I needed to stop drinking five cups of coffee I I try to only keep to one cup of coffee a day and yeah the, the sessions with the counselor were just it was like it was surprisingly simple So that was a good reminder because it had been a couple of years. That's great. That's fantastic. So I think for people listening, you know, know what your signs and symptoms are um, and dialing into that, you know, and going, okay. And I think that the fact that you went and got your physical, you know, check done and know, okay, so my body's actually fine. 
then obviously this may be being caused from any types of anxiety or my son just slipped maybe down more of a depression path or whatever that is. And then you just engage then the therapist or the psychologist and, and you get yourself again back on track. And I think the biggest thing is for people listening is that the quicker you can get onto this, the quicker you can recover. You know, don't go on for weeks because you're going to start spiraling and that's when it can get really dangerous. Yeah, and especially for workaholics too, like there's a tendency to think that continuing to work will be the antidote, but in reality there's diminishing returns. So you may as well address it now, even if you think you need to answer your, get to your phone as soon as, as soon as you wake up in the morning. Like that's not like your boss doesn't know that you're either awake or whether or not you're awake. And even 60 seconds of like gratitude can equip you or equip a person with the ability to like handle like that first, those rolling calls or, or those early morning meetings or whatever, because you've just checked in with yourself rather than being, you've dictated your day at least in 60 seconds rather than letting your day dictate you. I love that, Alex. You are speaking my language. We don't check it out either. We, are, we sit down when we want to. Very I do airplane mode and then I, I don't check it for, I mean, I'm sort of lucky because I get to sort of set my own hours unless I'm filming, in which case even then I wouldn't check my own phone until maybe like I'm in the car. Like, you know, if we've got like a you know, if you're on set, generally you, you get a, a driver for insurance purposes. Maybe I wouldn't even check it then because yeah, I want to be focused. But, you know, during like a regular week, if I'm not, you know, filming anything, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I get to have the first hour of the day generally to myself, which was someone was, a, that was like a random person in one of my first trips to LA suggested that to me. They weren't even an actor. And there was something about that, that I had never, it was the fact that I had never done it before. And I've, done it since and yeah it's like it's so normal to me whereas it's sometimes really foreign to people yeah like that's about 90 percent of the population check yeah. their phone in yeah. their first phase and it's such an easy it's such an easy win in terms of if you did it the other way and you don't check your phone and you do something that actually positively sets up your day instead so then we're not getting empowered by the news we're not letting you know certain messages on social media influence our morning i think that's that's absolutely crucial and i think people would notice a significant difference with how they feel yeah when they, first, they just followed that little bit of guidance from you i think that's super cool this podcast is proudly brought to you by chili technology even though winter is here we still need a cool body core temperature to have great sleep efficiency and deep REM. an easy way to get our body core temp down is by using an aula from chili technology you just slip it over your mattress switch it on, set your temperature, and you're away. They even come in single, so you can set your own temperature, since partners often like to sleep at different temperatures. To get a great night's sleep and 15% off, head to eqminds.com forward slash podcast and use the code eqminds15 for the Aula system. I want to ask you about the Rocketman project. What brought yeah. about the Rocketman? project you know this short film about finding self-worth in the process rather than results you know is that is that from your own experience or how did that kind of get birthed so like the nature of the entertainment industry most actors will say you've got to make some work yourself but I you know had been maybe pursuing some feature ideas which you know features can take sometimes you get lucky and a feature will get off up off the grounds you know in a year sometimes it'll take five years 
but the benefit of doing something directly within your means, um, I think that extends to small business owners as well, entrepreneurs or anyone, you know, wherever they are professionally, doing something within your means that doesn't require like a really long timeline and just do it as well as you can possibly do. So that was really good advice that I got from a director I know her name is Alethea Jones, and she was a guest on my podcast, and she had spoken about how she had started her career. So, you know, if there's any artists or aspiring filmmakers or actors, I would go and listen to my interview with her because she gives some great advice. And, you know, she just talked about just make a short film and just do it really well. And don't have any, I think, hang-ups about the results of it, or at least my takeaway from that conversation was just like, I'm not going to care anymore about whether it wins awards or whether the right person sees it. I just, I want to enjoy the experience and the process of doing it because fundamentally it would be the same if I was making and producing my own $5 million feature film. Like the day-to-day, you know, the difference would be the money that's made from it. But, you know, I think we all know that fundamentally money doesn't bring happiness. And so there was a part of me that inherently or intuitively knew that if I didn't enjoy that or if I couldn't learn how to enjoy that, then I, I wouldn't enjoy when I would sort of make, you know, a bigger budget film. Um, and for whatever reason, I guess that notion conflated with around the same time, a director friend of mine reached out and she had seen some other stuff that I had made. And she simply sent me a text. Her name is Rachel Palumbo. And she said, like, let's make something. So we just met up for coffee. Neither of us were working at that time or filming anything. And so we're like, okay, fine, let's just make a short film. I just had a conversation with this, you know, awesome director. She was filming Catherine Zeta-Jones' TV show at the time. So we knew we could take credence from that advice. Let's just do it. And I think, yeah, the I didn't plan like that notion of like finding self-worth in the process wasn't didn't come about until later after I had come up with the story, which was, you know, a combination of like my own ideas. Maybe I was influenced by some films that I had seen. Some people who have seen it said that it sort of reminds them of Talented Mr. Ripley a little bit, which is one of my favorite films unconsciously. Like, I guess I must have just, you know, been influenced by it. And then combining some other experiences that, you know, just through the years of, of having conversations with, with writers and with producers and how heartbreaking it can be if a creative maybe doesn't get their due and there was something about it. And then as well, this is a little bit more specific to artists, but I think it's relevant, you know, in a way, especially in someone like in your position, sharing your experiences can help other people. And I was told by another director friend of mine, actors need to be public and private which is sort of, in, you know, inform my work a little bit, you know, willing to be completely vulnerable. So it was sort of a combination of all of those things. And, you know, the process of making it and just and just completing it without it being released, you know, for like up to a year, I think it took to, for us to get distribution, which is pretty typical, like sort of in that indie circuit. It was just so, it was just fun. Like, and it was really empowering. So I think that, yeah, if there's anyone listening, whether they're, an actor or whether they're a filmmaker, photographer, creative or a business owner or they've had an idea, don't be too, you know, concerned with the the outcome or what you, you know, you dream of that moment where you think that it's going to be, you're going to be set. You need to enjoy, it's really cliche, but it's so true, but you, you need to enjoy the journey because you're only, it's going to be fundamentally the same when you get to that next level anyway. So true. So good. And anyone listening, I really recommend you go check it out. Like, it's incredible. And Alex, I oh, think that's a huge you. You know, congratulations for doing that. And also, you know, for because I'm a recovered perfectionist, I used to be yeah, such. Yeah. And I feel like now, you know, 
and this has taken me years to get there, but I feel like now I'm so much more gentler and kind on myself in terms of yeah. I see as 80%, other people view as 100%. So Yeah, yeah, um, I'm right there with you, yeah. So I like that, you know, enjoy the journey, try and be kinder. It's not about being perfect. <laughs> it's about yeah. doing the best that you can and enjoying enjoying it. And this kind of leads me to, I just want to ask you if there's any other tips that you can think of for our audience, you know, that you've been doing to take care of your your mental health and your health. You spoke about, you know, exercise and you do a gratitude practice in the morning, which I love. You spend time with the right kinds of people. You do seek out therapy when you need it. Is there anything you've been doing differently, maybe during times of isolation? Because we can't kind of get outside as much at the moment to move the body. Yeah. Is there anything differently than your normal routine that you feel yeah I've actually gone back to something I used to do in high school which is pretty crazy I used to handwrite my study schedule in my school diary hand the notion you know the idea of handwriting is pretty foreign to a lot of people I've started to do that the night before you know I go to bed because you know everyone or like in LA especially we, we all have to work from home now and because all stuff is in development there's no physical production at the moment so nothing's filming I'm sort of you know, doing a schedule so I can stick to it, you know, and balancing working on my business and then also having some time for like creative projects. And I think just setting a schedule and like handwriting it has been rather than using a phone app for whatever reason, that works for me. It just helps me be like a little bit more accountable and yeah, not checking my phone in the morning, I guess, you know, checking in. Oh, I, I spoke about this with a friend the other day, because even though you know, there's nothing in physical production. I still, I guess, like you, being a bit of a workaholic slash perfectionist, I find that I've, I'm busier now than ever, or I fill my time now with other things which are work oriented. But I still feel a little bit rushed, even though I'm at home. So I just make sure that when I'm eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I, I try to eat it really mindfully. Like I caught myself the other day, I was like. Eat, finishing eating my lunch and I got up as I was still chewing like to go back to my office I was like what the, like what the hell am I doing like sit down finish like I love food like it's probably one of the highlights of my day so this might not be applicable to everyone if food isn't a big deal but I, I eat for I eat for fuel and I eat for enjoyment so just like just mindfully just like enjoying that food and not there's no reason it's only and it was only like an extra 60 seconds but that extra 60 seconds can make a difference in the way that I then you know go from my lunch break back to whatever I'm working on in the afternoon so I've started to do that pretty mindfully I don't know if that could work for other people but I just feel like there's a tendency for some people especially in a change of environment like being in quarantine that we might feel like rushed or obligated to you know figure things out or get things done so it's just things like that they put, put you back or at least they put me back into the moment and then I find them you know pretty helpful plus I enjoy my food more so that's always good I think that's so helpful Alex I think the cathartic the therapeutic level of handwriting things down and I think the mindful moments you know if we can capture just doing one mindful moment every day like there's this amazing you may have heard of him his name's Dr Judson Brewer he's a great psychiatrist in America is all around these sort of addictive feedback loops that we have sometimes inside of our mind. Oh, okay. And you, just, you know, if you do one mindful moment a day, all his research shows it decreases anxiety by about 62% a couple oh, of months wow. from start. So that's something that, you know, just pausing and really enjoy, even just really enjoying your morning coffee. Like people just, you yes. know, 
scale down their coffee and they're like, I can't remember. Did I have a coffee? I'll just go get another one. Yeah. And it's it's amazing how like you can it can feel like a moment of of luxury. Like it feels really it might sound really cheesy for someone, but you know, you, you maybe we can't I we can't go to the cafe to buy a four dollar coffee here at the moment because everything's still on lockdown. But you know, I have an espresso machine. Those are still sort of expensive. And I'm like, there's no point just downing this. Like, it's still like those those espresso capsules are still like they still add up. So may as well just like just enjoy it. Feel like I'm at a, at a cafe at my favorite cafe. You know, like silly moments like that. They can like they can you know make you know make your morning or make your breakfast at least. Yeah, and I do these really annoying sounds to my husband. Like if I really enjoy something, I'm like. Mm. <laughs> And he's like, that's so annoying. Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. Get out of isolation. <laughs> Alex, I would love my audience to find more about you. Can you please share with us where's the best place to go? Thank you so much for coming on our show today. Oh, of course. Can you please tell us where to find you? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. My Instagram is Alex J. Cubis. Twitter is Alex underscore Cubis. And my Facebook is Alex Cubis as well. Most of my updates are on Instagram. I'm, I'm not funny enough for TikTok, or at least I don't think I am. And then my company website is smarterpictures.net. So some updates are, are posted there too. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. To continue on your calm journey, I really encourage you to download a free ebook on how to live a calmer life. Simply head to eqminds.com to receive your free copy. And if you're in a really good mood, please feel free to give us a five star rating. It helps other people find the podcast, and then together we can help other people with their mental health and well being. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with us. And we'll see you again in a week. This podcast is for information purposes only. Any advice is not a substitute for medical guidance. Any use of information contained in this podcast is used at the user's own risk.